What up, everyone? We took a week off on the Soul Savvy podcast last week. It was just one of those weeks. It was it was busy. There was a lot going on, bunch of drops, and we just didn't schedule in the time to have a conversation on, on the pod. But this week, I got a special guest with me. If you've been seeing our editorial, our features, kind of long form stories that we've been writing, uh, a lot of the times the name attached to it is Ian Stonebrook. So I'll let uh, Ian introduce himself. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, Ian Stonebrook. Uh recent addition to the soul savvy team i appreciate dp bringing me on and uh yeah it's been dope it's been dope to work with people who uh you know care about culture more than clout um you know obviously to each their own you know no shots but um yeah it's just been fun uh you know basically writing about sneakers with other people who love it the same way so it's been a good time absolutely so you know one of the reasons why we do the stories we do and the way we write about them is i feel like a lot of the time you know, sneaker media and and culture isn't really giving products the shine that they deserve or really telling the story of why it matters. Like, yes, everyone's OGs, people who have been in the sneaker game for a while are really excited for the Fire Red Force this week. And that's what we're here to talk about, right? But no one's telling that story. and, And I like to facilitate that as much as we can. And you are a fucking sponge of information. It never ceases to amaze me how much you have in your head around every single drop in the world. So you're you're the you're the perfect person for this. But you spent, I want to say, a decade with Nice Kicks. Yeah, so a decade. So I interned in 2009, full yeah. time 2010. Yeah, a decade. It was a lot of fun. Well, and 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 now it's time for the next chapter. So we're gonna we're gonna dive in. If you guys are listening to this and you also like to read, Ian has a great breakdown on the site for us about the evolution of their Jordan Four Fire Red. It kind of breaks down all the different releases, but we're also gonna talk about it today and give you guys an option. Do you want to read or do you want to listen? And we'll dive into the way. So, Ian, start us off with kind of 1989 and, and what the shoe meant then and and how it came to be. Yeah, so in 1989, when the Air Jordan 4 first released, um, a main thing of note is it was the first global launch for an Air Jordan. Um, So it was coming off basically like the colossal footsteps of the three, the first Tinker design, the shoe that Mm -hmm. kept Mike on board. And the four essentially, as Tinker says in German from within, is it was meant to be more technical. Mm -hmm. Like Mike was the leader of the Bulls now. He's a dad. He's got the MVP hardware on his resume. So like it's time to win, you know? I mean, not like yeah. he wasn't about winning before, but the, uh, the stakes were a little different. So basically the four is a pretty linear evolution from that of the three in terms of visible air, Yep. you know, some rubber plastic support on the heel, three fourths cut, things of that nature. Uh, basically the biggest departure was the customizable eyelets hmm. for, I think it was something like 18 or 19 different ways they could be laced. Got a little bit more groove in the forefoot right uh the rubber wings uh rubber plastic i hear both as denoted and uh the mesh sidewall so some of that stuff would be carried over to the five but yeah basically the four was you know mike Mike was about business he was there to stay at at nike and it was a shoe that it was funny enough so when i was researching the shoe you know doing a little you know getting all my different factoids Speed, who's famous for doing, he wrote Mama Mentality with Kobe. Yep. I'm, I'm going to butcher his last name, so I'll leave it out. But great <laughs> dude. He was saying in the Slam Jordan's book how the Ford didn't exactly set the world on fire at first at retail compared right. to other ones. And the retail price there was 110 
Yeah, 110. So the most expensive Jordan to date. Right. The one was 65, and then the two and the three were 100. So, you know, we're used to $10 price jumps in this yeah, day and age, but not in 1989. <laughs> you know, interesting too, the original sketch of the Jordan 4 that Tinker did has the toe box featuring embossed zebra print, which clearly never happened. So perhaps if it had the same pizzazz as that of the three, it would have, uh, it would have hit a little harder at retailer. Right. Nevertheless, uh, a shoe that has aged very, very well. Yeah. And do you, th- do you think part of the slower sales was the fact that it was coming off the three, that the price hike, like, w- or just the combination of everything? Yeah, I think coming off the three, you know, I mean, yeah. like the three had such a spot in like pop culture and hip hop culture with the dunk contest. Like yep. the three is the shoe that like, a moment. Mike Tyson was wearing when he got in a fight outside of Dapper Dan's store. Like yep. it, it just like it had a really different edge to it. And while the, I mean, bad analogy, but almost like the freak one of the freak two, like the freak two is definitely more technical, right? but the freak one was, it, it was, it was stating an identity. So I think yep. the, the lack of newness was maybe a little bit there, but uh, Mike for sure still did his thing in him, you know? So it was. It's a shoe that, uh, so the Fire Reds basically, with the three, they started the tradition of Mike would debut the new game shoe at All-Star. He'd wear white for the uh, the dunk contest and black for the game. Yep. With a white colorway all throughout the regular season, switch to black for the playoffs. And then when the next season started for the three, the four, and the five, he'd debut Fire Red. And then Carmine for the sixes, Cardinal for the sevens, so on and so on. But anyway... So Mike wore the Fire Red Fours, first game under Phil Jackson, home opener against the Cavs, lit them up for 54 points. And, you know, just for anybody that's, I don't know, I'm not going to tell anybody who their GOAT should be. Yeah. (laughs) But this man shot 61%. He had 14 boards, which was more than anybody on the Cavs. And the Cavs had a roster then. Uh, drop six assists, just somebody that played super hard. And he played a lot of point guard in the fours too. So when you think about, you know, some of these, you know, Russell Westbrooks, John Walls, you know, quote unquote, big fast guards coming downhill. Uh, Mike's doing that at six foot six with a, uh, yep. you know, about 50 inch vertical damn near. So, or yeah. Top 40, so. yeah. And that's, and that's kind of where I want to touch on, on the last dance uh, effect that it had earlier this year on Jordan's like seeing that man in action in HD quality and being reminded of just how damn good he was. I know for a lot of people um, got them excited about, you know, previous releases and, and uh, various colorways and OG stuff that's happened. It's like, you know, hearing you rattle off these stats, it's like, damn, like that is a game. Yeah, he was, and I mean, this is when the league still has hand checking and bad yeah. boy pistons and all this. So yeah, that man was taking a beating and yeah. delivering one too. I, I noticed here you were kind of uh, outlining some things for me that uh, MJ transitioned to the fives by All Star Weekend. That was a really quick kind of life for, for for the four for him on court at least. Then yeah, absolutely. So you know, the four um, originally debuted at the '89 All Star Game in Houston, Texas. Um, he wore that, you know, throughout the eight, the rest of the 88-89 regular season. Right. You know, in the playoffs when he hit the shot against Cleveland. Yep. And then headed into 89-90, he wore the Fire Red Fours from basically November 89 to February 1990. So it was – the Fire Red Fours were essentially the last Jordan 
of the 80s and the yep. first of the 90s. Started and capped off a pretty crazy era. Yeah, which then kind of led to, and like anything that, that releases that people sleep on and, you know, as time progresses, they want they want the retro, they want the re-release, but people didn't get what they wanted the first couple of times. Tell us a little bit about what kind of, what was in the retro pipeline after that. Yeah, I mean, it was a heck of a wait for the, uh, for any Fire Red retro for that matter. So retro's first hit um, basically corresponding with the 10-year anniversary of the Air Jordan line and ironically enough with Michael Jordan's retirement from basketball. So when retro ones, twos, and threes hit in 94, you know, granted I was pretty young then, but the sentiment that I've heard since is that they registered more as old shoes. You know, it'd be kind of like if – you know, the Dame 3 came back or the, the PG2, you know, unless you had a really strong affinity towards one of those shoes, you'd just be kind of like, what are these? Because at the time, the Air Jordan line was probably too young for nostalgia and was really all about pushing the efforts, like it, or pushing the edge of technology. So you wanted the new ones because they had an air bubble or Hirachi sock liner or, you know, right. cross straps. So people weren't really feeling retros at that time. And when considering the threes, even the fire red threes didn't come back, just the white cement and black cement. Yep. Basically, uh, retros take a little bit of a break. You know, Nike puts them back in the archive. Then circa 97, 98, Jordan brand is formed. And uh, around that time, actually, Soul Savvy uh, podcast host and a good friend of ours, Russ Bankston, him and, yep. Tony, uh, him and Tony Gravino interviewed Mike for the original Slam Kicks. So back in 1998. Yep. Yeah. So in that interview, they basically got out of Mike that Mike or even, you know, maybe, you know, Reggie or somebody told him on the side that the fours and the fives were coming back. Um, 99, 2000. Yep. By the time those came back, people were a little warmer to retros, you know, and, you know, Mike had just hit the last shot, you know, uh, right. People thought he was gone for good and maybe okay with it, you know, or still wanting more, not like, you know, the first retirement was like Barry Sanders or Calvin Johnson. Yeah, yeah, it was a matter of when he's coming back. Exactly. But even then, we only got white cement and black cement for the fours. Mm-hmm. So basically, for the whole 2000s, we kind of had an okey-doke, if you will, with the Fire Red Force. We had a lot of close but not quite releases. Right. So the, the first one of that was the Fire Red Lasers. And for people who obviously can't, who are not reading this article and can't see anything right now, how would you describe this sneaker to them? So essentially, the Fire Red Laser 4 is like the OG Laser 4, although instead of rubber plastic wings and detailing, it's leather, which was absolutely pan people hated that at the time mm-hmm. um and then it has like uh red cl- clear if you will eyelets rather than you know yep. the solid rubber yep and uh, jump man on the heel which people were not feeling then either yeah and all over um basically gold to bronze laser print kind of lifted from the air jordan 20 that released mm-hmm. the same year right so this was um but everybody wanted fire red so it still kind of had some steam so yep. this was the first online exclusive, um, one of the first. I'd have to I'd have to fact check that, but yeah. one of the first online exclusives from Jordan Brand. It came with a matching flex fit hat. Um, which <laughs> I still have the hat and the shirt, and neither have ever. Been, I'm not a in a in a two hundred dollar package. We might add, which in is a, a lot, lot of money, a lot of a money. whole lot. Yeah, that was a lot of lawn mowing and grocery uh, 
grocery bag and money for me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, basically, it was at a time where people didn't really people didn't really care about Jordan brand apparel like that. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. we're very blessed when you look at what Jordan brands done with U- union or Levi's and the last fragments, all the collaborations for clothing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you won't find a lot of dead stock laser fours. You will find a lot of dead stock laser four hats <laughs> or t-shirts. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So the, the fire red lasers, they've aged well in terms of, uh, cachet i'd say the black lasers from around the same time are definitely more sought after uh, a lot of that has to do with kid cuddy's endorsement of them like kind of in his uh late you know early album late mixtape run um actually yep. funny enough chip the ripper told me one time that on the song all talk which is where they freestyle over uh lcd sound system yeah the original opener was cuddy said like laser fours every time in a funny voice <laughs> but they ended up cutting it and putting the christian bale audio sound oh, that's so, that's awesome yeah it's 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 pretty interesting to see how that would have uh added to the esteem yeah 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 for sure and then jordan brand they knew exactly what they were doing right all planned so a year later they release another colorway and it's very close to what people want but there's a subtle difference and what was that difference so that was the mars blackman four which um obviously is based on the original fire red four um some similarities to the motorsport fours of around the same time and what fans got that they wanted was you know rubber plastic you know heel and wing detailing yep uh no laser embellishment what they didn't want was jump man on the heel yeah and what they were maybe kind of lukewarm, hot, cold about was the Spike Lee stamping. Um, right. It's kind of funny because in hindsight, you know, a detail like that is kind of, I mean, that's basically where you'd like custom brand and Air Force One in that era. So kind of a cool nod to sneaker culture. Mm-hmm. But you would kind of look at his shoe with that nickname or story as more of like a, a lifestyle launch or a boutique or a limited thing. But you could get the Mars black and fours pretty much anywhere Jordans were sold. Yep. I fell for the okie doke. I got those too. I have those <laughs> and the fire red fours. But you know, they it's, it's typical from them, right? They knew, they knew exactly what they were doing and it was, here's something that you probably don't want, but we're not going to tell you that the thing you do almost want is, is coming next. And within two years, they managed to, to drop both of these pairs, but still not, not exactly what people wanted. No, not quite. And then it got worse. <laughs> yeah, we had a we had a long run of fusions, which yeah. um, you know maybe with the uh, the buzz around the uh, Gucci Mane versus Young Jeezy versus maybe like some of that uh, aesthetic will come back into vogue. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's funny, you know, like I was interning at Nice Kicks when a handful of fusions dropped, and that was a time like kind of much now like with social media. The comment section was how you measured engagement or how stuff was doing. And fusions absolutely ignited the comment section, clearly polarizing. I mean, I think yep. the, the fusion 13s, Louis Vuitton, Kanye prices were the right. highest comments ever um, for nice kicks. But, um, you know, an interesting thing about the fusions, I remember uh, Nick DePaul telling me, hopefully this isn't secret intel, but mm. that uh, Mark Dolce pitched the fusions. That was... okay. And basically his original concept for the fusions was kind of more stylized, a little bit more like melted than cut and paste. But, you know, 
brand bureaucracy and things like that. It kind of got, I think, thrown to other people and taken a different way. But um, pretty crazy when considering Dolce's, uh, you know, and resume and everything he's gone to do. Yeah, for just for everyone listening, because it is. Can you, you explain a little history on around Dolce? I know he's not at Nike anymore, but I think that would be some helpful information for people. Yeah, absolutely. So Mark Dolce is a uh, designer uh, currently with Adidas, formerly with Nike. Um, Basically, his claim to fame is he did a lot of the penny hybrid stuff like the Zoom Rookie. He did the Lunar Air Force One, Um, basically a variety of modernized retro sportswear. So it's pretty crazy because I think most of us, when we were kids, we were drawing shoes. It was like, you know, I want the logo from the penny and the... hologram from the Jordan and, you know, kind of doing these, you know, Franken sneakers things. And that's essentially what he actually was able to bring to market in a pretty smooth way. And, uh, you know, fusions, you know, they get a lot of, you know, they're pretty trashed by, uh, yeah, I can't look at this, but (laughs) those sold, you know what I mean? Like they were not a, they were not your boutique customer, you know, Mm -hmm. for things like that. But, People messed with them. I could see them someday having a comeback, especially think if retro sat in 94, you know, maybe we live in a world someday where, where yep. fusions are the thing. Actually, I wanted to get a pair for all-star weekend in Chicago, just cause I was like, I know if I have these on, nobody will have them. <laughs> and they were famously, uh, they were famously dissed by currency at a sneaker show, which uh, in the early days of, sneaker internet rapper blogs yeah yeah it was kind of a big deal but even though fusions were probably more behind their time than ahead of their time it's important to remember that like retro air force ones in the early 2000s were exactly what air jordan retros were in the 2010s like definitely they're going to foot lockers sibley shoes um David Z, what what have it, you know, getting the, the the weekly Air Force One drop is exactly what Retro Jordans became 10 years later. Yep. And 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 Jordan brand. So they did the Fusion Fire Reds in 2009. They followed that up with the Fusion Fire Red lasers in 2010. So again, we got back-to-back years of the Fire Red uh, takes and the Fusion. It wasn't then until 2012 that we got essentially a, as a true, a true retro, um, for the fire red force. Yeah, definitely. And it's odd because once those hit, people were kind of over them, you know, it was a, it was an odd spot of, you had a few things going on. You had some fatigue from retro Jordans, yep. um, some quality concerns, which, you know, you might have, you know, in the mid two thousands, a, Nike talk savant complaining about OG detailing or glue marks or things right. like that kind of between 2008 and 2012, you had some retros that just looked a little cheap in hand. Yeah. Um, that's not to say Nike was doing the same thing. Um, that's not to say that a lot of us probably don't wish we had them, but by 2012, you know, shoes that were really certified bangers or sought after like, the fire red fours, or even a shoe like the grape five, yeah. people kind of felt like they'd either fallen for the Okie doke before they've already, they'd already worn all those outfits, you know, um, yep. the designer stuff, you know, people are starting to think about Balenciaga arenas as funny as that sounds. But, you know? Yeah. But this was, this was still really, I mean, 
they got everything they wanted out of this, right? No, no laser, no Mars Blockman. Like there was nothing else going on here, except there was no Nike Air branding on the back, right? It was another jump man. Exactly. You know, like maybe save it being a few years before remastering. Mm-hmm. It was, it was the closest comp we got. Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a good point to make um, is between 2012 and 2020. Now um, I forget what year, but Jordan brand, I remember they made a big deal of it that they, they announced the, the remaster program where the retros coming out. I think I want to say 2016 is when they did this. Yeah, it was 15 or 16. I'm drawing a bit of a, actually yeah. I have for reference. Yeah. So they must've hit in 2015 because my, uh, for the first remaster was Your the Oreos. Yeah. It was the Oreos. Yeah, yeah. And the production date says 2014. So, yeah. So I mean, I might've, yeah, might've been a 15 release. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you, do you remember enough detail about that? I know I'm throwing it on you um, right just out of the blue, but uh, I do recall it was in the kind of the press release in my head that they, they were really particular about, you know, the details, the shape, the quality, they were really pitching it as like a premium version of a retro. Yeah, absolutely. It was supposed to be like a true one-to-one. So like you said, premium uh, quality in terms of materials original cuts the odd thing in terms of the rollout and the timing is they led with non-original colorways the oreo fours and the french blue sevens which don't get me wrong people wanted to include myself but that was a bit of a head scratcher and it was also all kind of around the moment where mark parker on an executive call maybe a year or two earlier kind of had that summer jam, jam screen moment where it's like, Nike's going to do like, right. Well, I forgot what was it? 200 billion or something. Yeah, he was number. setting the bar very high. Exactly. And because of that, even though Jordan brand is producing a lot and, you know, by most measures killing it or, you know, up and down, but still good, you know, I think, yeah, they had to go from maybe like three a year to eight a year in terms of, you know, billions of revenue or whatever. So this basically paved the way for a price jump. Um, and to be honest too, I think it kind of, uh, when, when remastered retros first sat, it probably kind of showed them too, even though things have clearly measured out that it's like, to be truthful, the guys like you and me who probably ask for quality and say we'd pay more for it probably didn't. I know yeah. I didn't. I didn't buy, I didn't, I didn't buy a single pair then. I got these on a, on a, on a villa trip. So, yeah. um, I guess, you know, you can't it's, please everybody, but it's worked out now. Yeah. And that, that, that led us to our like kind of baseline standard of where pricing is now for, for a Jordan retro uh, outside of ones, you know, 190, um, 200, 225, 250, if they're really going crazy and adding some materials to it, right. They've found that spectrum. Um, so we had a, a an eight year gap um, here between really fire releases, which brings us to 2020 and this week, right? They are releasing again, uh, this Saturday, uh, right after black Friday. And this is really it. This is what people have been wanting since, you know, since day one and they're getting it all. So walk us through really what that, what that entails. Yeah. I mean, uh, as far as the air Jordan four goes in original colorways, it's kind of the last stone not unturned. I mean, the military blues are yet to return with uh, original Nike Air branding, which, you know, Mike didn't wear those on court. Still an original. People love them. I'd love yep. to have another pair of mine are falling all the way apart um, from 06 or whenever those were. But, 
Yeah, it's one of those things that like the Black Friday Jordan release is it's always slightly second fiddle to that of the holiday 11. Uh, yes. You know, clearly in the last uh, the last, you know, five to 10 years, the one is taking some juice from the 11 is the uh, the sought after sneaker in the line. But I love the four. I personally think the four is the most wearable Jordan. That probably has to say, uh, being a stocky kid growing up, they looked a little better on me. Than <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, the 11, while uber popular, is kind of a challenging wear. But this is one of those shoes that I think that no one in the future will regret getting it, if that makes sense. Like, I, I, would, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I think the four with um, basically the juice that, the juice that the silhouette has in terms of, you know, OG cachet with Nike Air, it's a shoe that can be worn with loose denim, baggy denim, sweats, you name it, shorts, yep. super versatile. The people who've kind of, to me, always been on the cutting edge of hip hop culture, like a Kid Cudi, mm -hmm. an ASAP Rocky, a Travis Scott, the four has always been a go-to model for them. So it's kind of uh, aesthetically approved, if you will, by the... Uh, the influencers or whatever yeah. you want to call them. And by the tail of tape, it's going to be a while before we get these back. Yep. Yep. I think that's the one thing that I've really noticed in the last five years is that calendar that they were almost following of like releasing something and retroing it. it. It felt like the cycle was, you know, four or five years, but now they're looking at it from like, we might not see fire reds again for another decade. Um, in the force like this this could literally be it because they're being a lot more methodical like they're doing this right and they're going to wait it out um so for anyone who's a new new sneakerhead who's been you know a year or two into the quote-unquote game um if you're listening to this or reading it and you're just like i don't get it like this is a place to start like th this is something that's not going to resell for you know two 2x retail but um it's a great addition to your collection. And like you said, you're not going to regret having this. This is a true to form kind of OG retro from 1989. And it should be in, it should be in everyone's collection who says they're a sneakerhead or is into Jordans in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a shoe you probably won't regret. And like you said, you know, even contrary to resale, it's a great Jordan to wear. I mean, yeah. I remember when I was in college, you know, going back to school shopping with my mom, which probably shows how either babied or spoiled I was to be doing that in college. But uh, yeah, get going home with like four pairs of jeans because I wore the fours and they just all look good. Yeah. You know, it was just like, oh shoot, all right, these jeans ain't actually that that hot. It's uh, the the Jordans are making them, and yeah. they will they will wear well. Um, it's got to be the shoes. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, far red fours are tough to beat. Yeah. And it's interesting that we got the four, the fours and the fives this year. I thought that was um, a nice touch, even though it's a lot of people have cooled off on the fives. Um, I still think soul savvy. We as a company have 40 or 50 pairs in our inventory in our member store that I'm just kind of like, I'm just gonna hold on to this because in two years when there's a member who's like, damn, I missed out on them. And they're, you know, $300 on StockX, we got a pair for you for, for, for 200. Right. So that member may be me. Yeah, um, that, might be yeah. You. that might be you in a, in a couple of years. Um, cool, man. Uh, I think this is a really exciting launch. They're from a brand perspective, they have been hyping this up for a while. Um, they did the quote unquote shock drop 
a couple a couple weeks ago. I'm going to say almost a month ago, maybe now. Obviously, a great way to build up some hype is to put the product early into the market, let people talk about it, review it, kind of discuss it and want it. Don't pay resell early, of course. Um, this is a big release for them. I don't have uh, inventory numbers or kind of an exact count, but while it's not going to be in the million range like the 11s are for the holiday, I expect hundreds of thousands of these to hit the market. So it's going to be a good drop. I love drops like this. There's enough for everyone. Everyone's excited. The hype beast resellers are probably going to leave it alone, but GOAT is going to go and stock us. They're going to try to you know, bump up sales. And I don't want to go on a rant about resellers, but I saw GOAT sending notifications that for every uh, Fire Red 4 you sell from now until December 6th, they'll give you 20 bucks. And like, I'm just like, we're really going to fucking do this for $20, like for 20 bucks. Like this is, this is what it's coming down to. So buy them for yourself, people and wear them. Um, yeah. I think this will be a, a, probably a kind of historic release too, because, you know, God willing, this is the only COVID black Friday launch ever. You know I mean? I, I, I hope we're not in the same spot uh, a year from I now, but I hope not. <laughs> it, it'll be interesting to see, like you said on numbers that we've had some black Friday Jordan launches kind of underperformed by modern measures in the past, you know, past five or so years, like Aqua eights, um, yep. true blue threes, even with Nike air. Yeah. I don't think you're going to find these on sale. Like, as you no, said, no, 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 not, not a shoe. That's a uh, worth resale to me. I don't think I've, I probably played resale once in my entire life for a pair of half cents on, uh, pick about 15 years ago. Other than yeah. that, I'm, <laughs> I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stingy, but it's a shoe. Nobody will regret having. No, no. And I, I these are not going to go on sale. They're, they are going to sell out with the swiftness um, this year, but it is interesting. You bring up the, the true blue threes. I remember how easy those were to get, but that was also at a time when like, I, I feel like Jordan was in this weird, they were caught in the cycle of like, too much too soon too many and people were kind of complaining and again you look at the true blue threes now obviously it's been you know four years five years almost um everyone like their people are paying resale for them now right? it's the cycle that that goes on and on and on when you you know new people join come part of the culture and want to learn more and they start looking back in the archives of, of what they can pick up yeah definitely you know with uh aqua i believe aqua eights and true blue threes hit outlets to some degree, which yep. is, which was pretty wild considering yep. how much aqua eights meant the first time they came back yep. and how much true blue threes meant every other time they've came back. But that's just kind of why you can't, uh, a shoe going on sale doesn't mean it sucks. No, know? it, it doesn't <laughs> it, at all. No, some shoes, it means it sucks, but not, yeah, fair, yeah. yeah, yeah, but not, not for something like, like a true blue three or, or an aqua eight. Would you, would you say your favorite model is a four? Is that, would you confidently? Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. Um, it was definitely awesome. three as a kid, um, had fives and I mean, really the only OG, the first OG Jordan I had as a kid was the 15 and mm. then retro true blue threes, uh, white and silver fives. And then, you know, too many to count after that. But yeah, I love the four. So I'm biased in this regard. Mm -hmm. And um, what are your, just before, just to end this off on a, on a light note, what are your top three Jordan silhouettes? Damn, fire question. Um, yeah. I will say that, you know, I'm just going to, oh, I was going to say three, four, five, just to make it real easy. 
but I love the 28. I like the okay. weird stuff. Yeah. So okay. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm here for all that. I, uh, I play a lot of basketball. So anything I can actually hoop in is, is good by me. Actually, there's a dude who caught fire last night in a uh, laser Jordan one. So if you got game, you can play in, in anything, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm not that caliber of athlete, so I need some performance to hoop in. Yeah. But yeah, three, four, five in terms of casual wear, but I fall in and out of love with all of them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Raptor Sevens as a kid was one of my favorites. Dude, se- Sevens, I, I just because I don't want to say Ones are my favorite. Yeah. Sevens are my favorite Jordan silhouette. I love Sevens. I want to say I have 12 pairs. Just something from growing up and always enjoying that shoe has stuck with me. Obviously, I love Ones and, and Threes and Fours. And, and so forth. But the seven, if you ever ask me my favorite Jordan, I'm just going to say the seven every time. Oh, absolutely. You know, hot take to close it out. I think the five, the two and the seven, especially the five and the seven, because the two stacks a little different when people are finally wake up and are like, damn, uh, I have 50 pairs of air Jordan ones. Don't really need that. You know what I mean? No. Or just kind of tired of them. I think that in a lot of ways with the, with the stance and flat sole of the five, it can be worn the same way as the one. It's really a more technical or aggressive one. Yep. And the seven to a similar degree too. So the Olympic sevens, man, I never, I've watched the last dance and I was like, fuck, how do I not own these? And I like turned around hit by on the first goat pair. I, I saw in, in, uh, for a good price. I want to say like two seventy. I paid, hmm. But that was one I already that I had missed out on. So watching watching MJ in that practice and just thinking about the Olympic sevens, I'm like, I got I got to have these like right away. You know, actually, a funny note on that: those came back the fall leading into my sophomore year of high school, and I got the white and classic green fours mm. instead of those. Is like my back to school shoe, which yeah. voted well years later for tailgates at Michigan State. But, um, <laughs> the The Olympic sevens were a uh, a big old deal when they came back the first time. Oh yeah. Huge deal. And uh, awesome shoes still to this day. Yep. Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of, I love OG retro launches that have this type of energy behind it because it just, it's a fun moment and it brings back memories and it brings new people into the fold. And I think that's what sneaker culture is all about because as you know, as we've seen too many people think about resale. So when you can have something that's like, has a lot of excitement and is not going to flip for a ton of money and we can just enjoy the fucking thing. Like let's do that. So. Yeah. It's a good way to connect. Cause you know, I spent the last half hour with you talking about the original fire red fours and I was one years old when they came out. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, you know, not, none of us were, uh, were born with this all downloaded in our brains, you know, no, yeah. we weren't old enough to watch. No, absolutely. So anyone listening, like, man, if you, if you just got into sneakers two months ago, do not feel don't do not let the gatekeepers of the industry make you feel like you're not worthy of participating in it going forward. Now, if you're getting in the industry to, to make a quick buck, yeah, you can bug off, but uh, <laughs> everyone else, you're welcome. Come, come dive in. That's why we do these editorials. That's why we have you write the stories. That's why we're doing this podcast. We want to educate and teach people about the history. So they know why they're, why they're buying stuff and why you're doing that kind of a new series for us called big facts. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I appreciate that. And you know, for what it's worth, any soul savvy members, uh, listeners, Feel free to hit me up on social, the Slack, whatever else. If you got any questions about a shoe or uh, a feature you'd like to see, I'm, I'm all ears and all ideas. So happy to chat.
Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks, man. I appreciate you hopping on and, and chat, uh, chatting about the fours with me. Um, I'm sure we'll do it again for another another big release, maybe the Jubilee 11s, um, hey, something with wait. some history. And uh, yeah, thanks for doing it. I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you, DP.